You may be seated. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. As I said in my prayer, we're going to be finishing up uh, today on shepherding. Actually, the next two weeks, I'm not going to be in the pulpit. Uh, Ken is going on a, uh, actually a conference, and he's going to be sharing with you next Sunday what he learned in the conference from uh, Answers in Genesis. That's where Ken Ham is. The following week is uh, communion, and actually Ryan Baker will be uh, preaching, and then I'll be doing the communion service part of it. But uh, anyways, we want to finish up. Um, this whole thing about sheep and shepherding, and obviously, how does it work in our church? Uh, last couple of weeks, I've been starting the message with the nature of the sheep, and I've been reading different quotes just to kind of get us back to reality. What, when he calls a sheep, what is he referring to? As I put in your outline last week, um, uh, Philip Keller wrote this, It is no accident that God has chosen to call a sheep. Sheep require more than any other class of livestock, endless attention and meticulous care. So when he says we are sheep, he is saying you are needy. We are needy. By the way, that goes against the grain of the flesh. That goes against the grain of wanting to be independent. I came across another comment, paragraph from a... This, this actually came from a shepherd in England talking about the ills and the harmful habits that befall sheep around the world, is almost comical if it wasn't lethal. All the ways that sheep get into problems. He writes this, or she writes this, I am amazed at the variety of ways sheep can find to die. That's an interesting sentence. Sheep are susceptible to, and I didn't know, I, I was looking up some of these, but then they became so many, I said, they, be, they become susceptible to braxy. Pulpy kidney, staggers, pneumonia, pastorella, twin lamb disease, cancer, hypothermia in the winter, maggots in the summer, scab, scrappy, foxes, crows, dogs, coyotes, wolves, you know, you name them. They push their heads through fences and get stuck. They climb trees to pick at foliage, in other words, just, you know, with their two front legs to pick foliage and get hung up by their horns and, or legs. They fall down banks, get bitten by snakes, stung by wasps. They tumble into ponds and streams. They gorge themselves on leaves, roll on their back, and blow up like a balloon. They poison themselves on ragwort. Do we have ragwort around here? Is that how you say it, ragwort? Ram's horns regularly grow into their own heads, <laughs> apparently hurting them. They starve, freeze, get depressed, and fall ill. But a good shepherd can counter every affliction. A good shepherd can counter every affliction, end quote. You know, that's why it's great that we have a good shepherd. That's why it's so important that we understand that Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. He can take care of every ill that we have, every problem that we have. He has, he has the solution to our problems found in his word. Again, he is the chief shepherd. Now, I say that word chief because, again, he is left under shepherds. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Last few weeks, we've been kind of setting this up. What is the nature of the sheep? What is the nature of the shepherd? Now we want to look at under shepherds a little bit more and then actually apply it to our church. He is the chief shepherd, but he leaves under-shepherds here to, uh, to do his service while he is in heaven sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. 
but we have chief shepherd. Um, I was, Don Wilson last week was uh, telling me a story, and, and I only heard it once, so I'm hoping I get this right, but back in the 80s, Don was a shepherd. He had a number of sheep. He had a flock. He was a farmer. Then he became a counselor, a school counselor. But he was saying there was this one night uh, back in the 80s, I think it was around 10 o'clock, he had a call on the phone. His neighbor says, you know, there's a pair of eyes up on the, on the hill, but it's not a sheep's eyes. Probably turned out to be a coyote or something. So Don hustles out, you know, hustles out to where the sheep were, and apparently there was a light where, you know, out in the barnyard where all the sheep in the pen all kind of congregated. And uh, Don <clears throat> walks out <clears throat> or kind of hustles out, you know, to make sure everything is, is okay in the, in the sheep pen. And he said, what I was telling you the story last, last week as far as all the eyes of the sheep were on the shepherd, he said the same exact thing happened to him. When, you know, the coyotes out in the distance, perhaps yipping, and all the eyes were on Don, the shepherd, as he walks out into the pen. But he said this, I found his interest. He said, and they all were like asking this one question, you know, like, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> you know, and I thought, that is exactly how we should look at the Lord Jesus Christ as we're on this earth. All right, we're into a problem. What do we try to do? Solve it on our own. Well, you know what we should do? Lord, I'm praying. I may even be fasting. I'm looking into your word, but what do you want to do about it? Because you're my shepherd. I'm just a sheep. See, when we try to solve all these issues on our own, we're trying to play shepherd. We don't have, we don't have the strength to do that. So we have the great shepherd. We have under shepherd. We should be looking at the Lord. What are you going to do about it? You know, the third point on your outline says the responsibility of spiritual shepherds. Spiritual shepherds. Again, hopefully you're in 1 Peter by this point. This is the primary text. And this is where we find uh, one of the three or four passages in Scripture that talk about elders or shepherds. Verse 1. So this is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. The elders who are among you, I exhort as... As, um, exhort I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also the partaker of the glory that will be revealed. An elder, and notice he also uses two other words. Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. If you haven't already, you might want to underline those three words. Elders, shepherd, and overseer. Now again, I point you to this passage and we'll be looking at other ones. Only to say this, this is the passage, you know, one of the key passages as far as shepherding. But, but before we even get into that, just to remind you that shepherding is a lot of hard work. I'm talking when you're dealing with sheep. Well, obviously, you just know that because the nature of the sheep is they want to die. Okay, they seem to always want to get into problems. By the way, is it true that uh, people have a tendency to always get into problems? Yeah, it's amazing to me over the years how many times people have tried to self-destruct. They do it through anger, they do it through bitterness, they do it through lack of forgiveness, they do it through covetousness, they do it through their pride and their arrogance and the lack of wanting to take direction. They do it because they're not teachable, they don't want to learn, they don't want to have the discipline of getting into God's Word. You know, I mean, there's just innumerable ways that we ourselves try to destroy ourselves. We follow after our lusts, whatever they might be, and we do not want to follow the shepherd or any of his under-shepherds, Right? See, people are very quick to self-destruct. We move towards self-destruction quicker than we do towards uh, edification. 
Well, again, shepherding is hard work. Let me just tell you from a physical point of view, I mean, as far as literally dealing with sheep, a shepherd needs foresight. I mean, a literal shepherd that's dealing with sheep, the ability to anticipate weather patterns and the cycles of the season. They need to be able to plan in advance as far as routes and destinations. They need to be able to have negotiating skills and diplomacy. Why? Because they have to deal with landowners. They have to be, deal with other shepherds. Shepherds were not, uh, they were not looked upon as, uh, you know, being, yeah, oh, hey, this is great. We've just got a shepherd coming with 3,000 sheep. You know, landowners didn't want to have that. I'm talking other landowners. They had to have the ability to know geographical skills. In other words, direction and terrain. Where was the water? Where were the best fields? They had to have stamina. Because they had the, the strain of responsibility. Being out on, in the field, if you didn't have you know, your farm close by, and literally they had to have uh, you know, the ability to withstand loneliness and the cold. I was reading yesterday saying that some places like um, out in the desert near Israel, the, the temperature would drop up to 80 degrees in one day. It would be very hot at night and drop very, to be very, very cold, or excuse me, very hot in the day and very cold at night. So you had to withstand the temperatures, um, the extremes. In fact, one, one guy said this. He said, the shepherd's prayer was, quote, Now I lay me down to sleep, exhausted by those doggone sheep. <laughs> they had to have the ability to do quality control, you know, to monitor, maintain, improve the quality of the pastures, especially the pastures. So a lot of hard work, you know, removing stones and tending and filling in gopher holes and, you know, taking away the undergrowth and keeping the fields clean. They had to have a high level of motivation. Again, not easy to get frightened sheep to follow you through a dark canyon. So there had to be a confidence there. You had to have emergency skills, be able to handle injuries. Once one of the animals got hurt physically or ill. And they had to have humility. Why? Because it wasn't considered a prestigious occupation to be a shepherd. In fact, they were considered riffraff by the other occupations. So again, you had to have humility. Now, I, I, I named those only to say this. When God calls certain men to be shepherds, the idea is this. It's a lot of hard, thankless work. And, but you have to have great skill because you're dealing with people and people's problems that are unique to them. Great skill, thankless work. See, that's why a lot of people don't want to do it. It takes a lot of work. And, and, and by the way, I'm saying this not for my sake. I'm saying this because I hope for two things. One is that you will appreciate the elders of our church more. And that you yourself, if the Lord is tugging at your heart as a man and wants you to be a leader, a shepherd, an elder, that you would be willing to take the responsibility on. But know that on this side, it's many times a thankless job. On this side, not on that. Not on the other side, it's not a thankless job, but on this side. Again, what does a shepherd have to do here? I'm talking a spiritual shepherd. We have to be able to feed, we have to be able to lead, have to be able to provide and protect and to guide, to search and rescue the wayward, who when you try to call them, hang up. Who you try to visit them and they don't want to talk. Well, I'm not a member any longer. I gave that up three weeks ago. Why? Well, because I want to do my own thing. It's a, it's a thankless job many times. We have to be willing to counsel and confront at times. We have to know our sheep individually. We have to serve again with humility. 
often without thanks, but many times perhaps with criticism. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we're misunderstood. And we want to lead, but no one wants to follow. What is that old adage? He who thinks he's leading when no one else is following is only taking a walk. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like you're taking a walk. No, no. I, at this church, um, I would say this. I, I, I believe you guys want to follow. But the point is, not everyone does. See, we wonder if the work sometimes is worth it. But wait a second, these are his sheep. These are the Lord's sheep. Uh, these are the ones that the Lord suffered for. So <clears throat> the flock, as verse 2 says in First Peter, the flock of God. Well, let's look at the shepherding, a little bit more issues here. Again, as, as we said last week, and I, I'm, I'm adding stuff as I'm going along today because I just kind of want to wrap the whole thing up. But notice it's plural. Notice it's plural. That's very, very important. The elders who are among you. The elders, plural. And again, the same, the same position of shepherd can either be, sometimes you use, see the word elder, sometimes you see the word shepherd or pastor, sometimes you see the word overseer or bishop, as is found in verse 2. It's all the same person. There's no hierarchy. There is a plurality. In every church, there should be a plurality of leaders. Now you say, why? Well, it just makes sense. There's continuity. Uh, you don't get out of balance. You keep each other in line because even though we're the shepherds, we're also the sheep. Isn't that an odd one? Both shepherd and sheep. So I'm supposed to lead. Andy is supposed to lead. Steve is supposed to lead. Lee, Bob, or Lee Bill and uh, who am I missing? Mike. <laughs> supposed to lead, but yet we're the sheep as well. That means we're going to also be confronted at times. We're also going to need to be led. We're also going to need to have feed. So we we help each other along the way of trying to help all of you, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a communion, as a community, as it were. Plurality is huge. And again, you might say, well, why does he use different words? Well, elders is really more of a Jewish term, and it has to do with the person's character and the person's maturity. That's really, when he's using the word elder, he's really pointing towards maturity and character. Now, when he uses the word overseer, like in verse uh, 2, he's pointing more towards the function of leading. By the way, do people need leaders? People desperately need good leaders. I'd say good leaders. You know, sometimes we think we just do it on our own. That doesn't happen often. Like I said, we are sheep. That's why we have programs in our church. You might say, well, programs, you just want more programs. No, no, no. Programs are designed to help people grow. Why? Because we are sheep. We are very easily scattered. We are very easily go down the wrong path. We need leaders. We need good leaders. Now, the other word that we find is this word shepherd. Shepherd or pastor. Sometimes the word is translated, well, one time as pastor. But the idea there is the, the feeding, the teaching, the growing, the confronting, you know, a shepherd, it, you know, whereas the overseer is lead, shepherd is more where you see the shepherd among the sheep moving in a... No, come on, come on, let's get... No, 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 you're going the wrong direction. No, no, you need to go in this direction. All right, God's going to have to really chastise you. You know, and we're trying to lead them, but in the process of feeding and teaching and confronting and encouraging and all those different one anothering. And so there is a, you know, there's a, 
nuances of, you know, why would he call him sometimes elder and sometimes overseer and sometimes shepherd? Well, it's really what is he focusing it on? You, you see the same thing in Acts 20. All three words, all three for the same person. It says, uh, the elders were among you, I believe it says exactly. Verse 28, and, and you don't have to turn there in Acts 20. It says 28, Hold, that the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. So in that other passage, you see, you know, the same thing. Uh, looking at the same group of men, but calling them elders and shepherd and overseer. Now, again, I made a big deal of that because I think sometimes we forget, uh, you know, I'm not like the man. <laughs> oh, if I'm in the hospital, I need to have John come. Well, what if Lee Ryan comes? Nah, he's not good enough. Is Lee here today? I think he's out of town. No. <laughs> I'm glad I used him. I'm glad I used him. No. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. You, you know what? This is the bottom line. If you try to, and by the way, I'm not saying this to, uh, I'm not saying this in the sense that if you try to get me to do everything that all the other shepherds need to do, one, what's happened? One, you're neutralizing their ability. You're not seeing them for who they are. You're neutralizing my ability because there's absolutely no way I can take care of all those needs. And again, it frustrates the plan of God because God has designed it for a plurality. So, see, mindset is huge here. Expectation. I, last week I read you that little thing about the, the perfect pastor. You know, like he, like he works 40 hours a week, but, but then he, you know, he visits 30 hours. You know, he, he makes $600, but he gets 500 away. You know, I mean, he has a really good, really great passion for the youth ministry, but spends all his time with senior saints. Where'd that compilation come from? It was just a computer-generated thing of what people thought was the perfect pastor. What I ended with last week, week is so true. You know where the perfect pastor for you is? The church down the road. Because you really don't connect with him, but from what you think is great, that's where he's at. See, that's what can uh, really start... Um, well, this is the other thing. If, if you put it all on the senior guy, you know, the, you know uh, then what happens? Then it kind of eliminates the need for the body to minister to the body. Ah... And we're not all accomplishing what God wants us to do within the body. So again, this concept of plurality with equality in the leadership is very, very important. It's not to try to get my job to be easier. I, I try to put in the same amount of time, whether I was doing all that stuff or whatever I have to do, I'm, I'm still going to work hard. But again, I, I, I've been very appreciative of this ministry because there's been longevity for me to be here. I've watched a lot of my pastor friends come and go from churches after five, six years. I know why they leave after six years. They're burned out over expectation. And so they leave because they have a set of messages that they can bring to the next church, and at least their messages are out of the way, and then you know, they can try to deal with the people. And after, you know what happens? Six years, what happens? Expectations kill them again. And then they move a second time, you know. But again, we've been able to be here because we do have a great elder board, you know. Men who really love you and love the Lord Jesus Christ and are seeking to serve you because that's serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, expect, um, you know, I mean, that's, that's the aspect. Now, who must be shepherded? Well, we find that in verse 2. Look at this. Uh, shepherd the flock of God who is among you. So, so you're called the flock of God. Isn't that a great... I, I just love that, uh, that little phrase, the flock of God. But notice... They need to shepherd, we need to shepherd those which are among us. And he's referring to that specific local church. 
Okay. Do I have to care for all Christians? Yes. Do I shepherd all Christians? No. I only shepherd the Christians that are among us right here. Now, sometimes people get a little frustrated or just want to leave or whatever, and they go to a different church. At that point, my shepherding stops. I can't follow everybody around, but we can shepherd, you know, and that's how we need to look at this. This is the flock that God has entrusted to us six elders, okay? By the way, along with the help of the deacons and many, many other great leaders of this church, okay? But the point is, is we need to concern ourselves with among you. And again, when he says the flock, I mean, let's think about who we are. Who am I? Who are you? This flock, this, that, that word flock, is a, as one author said, is a term of endearment. It's a term of, like when I call my wife babe. Hey, babe, how you doing? That's a term of endearment, right? That's a term. When he says flock, that's a term of endearment. Why? Because he, it says that Christ purchased us with, with his own blood, Acts 20. He has redeemed us. His spirit is in us. He's gifted us. Again, he's the great shepherd, the good shepherd. All those are terms of endearment because we are his flock. He has taken care of us. In fact, Lenski, a commentator, said this, What shepherd could have the, have the care of any part of God's flock and treat it carelessly? What, what type of shepherd would ever treat it carelessly, knowing that this is the flock of God? Well, I can tell you. There's times when the old flesh gets, you know, in my mind, and I start getting a little frustrated with the flock of God. Why don't they follow? Why don't they listen? Well, you know what? I've got to go back to, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Per, just, and this, is, this is one phrase that I always, purchased with his own blood. That's what rings in my ear. Purchased with his, not, you get that? Purchased. You mean the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth, purchased us with his own blood. That puts a whole different look as far as who you are to me. Yep, you're right, Lord. Forgive me, forgive me. I get, I get looking at people sometimes. I look, looking at this earth as being the end result. Nope, you're, no, you purchased us. You purchased me. You purchased Benny Palmer. So I'll put up with Benny. No, the point is, is when you start thinking about each other as, as the flock of God, purchased by Christ's blood, even as individuals, right, as the sheep, we can start looking and say, you know what, man, he, he loved me when I was, you know, without, I mean, at enmity with him. It just puts a whole other patience level, at least for me. So again, I would trust that you would see each other like that. You would see me like that. I would see you like that. In fact, you can pray for that. Pray that the elders remember that this is the flock of God. Pray that we remember that, you know, how precious you are in his sight, that we would treat you with the same type of preciousness. If you, since you're in 1 Peter, just go over to uh, um, yeah, Acts 20. We're going to be in both passages for the next couple minutes. Because again, it says that we need to be overseers. That's how we shepherd, overseers. But Acts 20 gives us a, like a little bit more glimpse into how we oversee. Like what is our responsibility as an overseer? Look at verse 28. Therefore, we t- take heed to yourself and to all the flock. Now again, that term of endearment to the flock. But take heed to yourself. Don't try to shepherd someone else if, if God is not shepherding your own heart. Don't try to lead someone else where you're not going yourself spiritually. Take heed to yourself and... T- 
and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Oh, no, I, I became, or no, uh, Andy became an elder because we asked Andy Norris to become an elder. No, no, Andy Norris became an elder because I believe in his heart he knows that he is called by the Holy Spirit to do this, right? This is a God appointment. Very, very important. That the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. This is verse 28. To shepherd the church of God, which he again purchased with his own blood. But look at verse 29. That gives us a little bit more of what this overseer does, this shepherd does. For I know, now this is Paul speaking to the uh, elders at Ephesus. And by the way, Paul is going to be leaving for the last time, so he's kind of giving them uh, like final instructions. Verse 29. For I know this, that after my departure, so Paul's saying as an apostle, I'm going to be leaving here, but after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you. Now, they're going to come in from without. Savage wolves. He's not talking about physical wolves. He's saying, listen, those type of men who have heart to destroy the church of God, the the precious flock of God, there's going to be people from without that come to try to destroy the flock, not sparing the flock. But it even gets worse than that. Look at verse 30. Also, from among yourselves... Men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. We mean after themselves. It's all about them. That's a characteristic of a false teacher. It's all about me. Uh, we see one over in uh, the epistle of John. Diotrephes. He loved to be first. He loved to be first. One of the characteristics of a false teacher is they want to have their own gathering. They want to build their own little kingdom. Sometimes you see that even, and you can say, oh, that, that's... A, you know, false teacher. <laughs> no, it's not about building. It, Alfred Allman Bible Church is not about John Prince's little kingdom. All I want to do is fill this one little space that I'm called on this earth to be here and do it faithfully because this is not the kingdom. This is not my kingdom, right? But this is the Lord's flock. And someday I want to be rewarded if I'm faithful here. And you know what the problem is? I'm still imperfect, so I keep making mistakes. So I have to keep going back and asking people to forgive and I have to keep learning. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a sheep that needs to, that needs to shepherd. And, and I, I'm, I'm giving you the insight into my life the last couple weeks because I want you to be on praying ground when it comes to the elders of this church. You know, you expect us to pray for you, right? You're expecting that, right? But now we're expecting you to pray for us because it's not easy. Some would say, well, it seems to be easy. You're just the one that tells us what to do. No, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> to shepherd the flock of God. To know that we're going to be held accountable before the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, heavy, heavy responsibility. In fact, Hebrews 13, verse 17. Again, you don't have to turn there. You can write it down. But he says this, Obey those who rule over you. Talking about the elders. And submit. Be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. That is a heavy right there. So I've got to look out for people's souls, not just how it makes sure they're physically, you know, eating and everything else. Their souls, knowing that someday, by myself, I stand before the Lord and He judges our actions. Now, isn't that a heavy? Isn't that a huge heavy? So again, each one of us will do that. By the way, we all stand before the Lord Jesus Christ to give an account. But again, we want to make sure we do it uh, to hear well done. 
You know, he in, in 1 Peter, and I know I'm flipping around, but in 1 Peter, then he, in the second, in verse 2, he actually gives us some other things to think about. What not to do as overseers. Second part of verse 2, not by compulsion, but willingly. Will you be an elder? Will you be an elder? We need an elder. We need a fifth elder. <laughs> no, no. Not, not under compulsion, but willingly. In other words, you have a servant uh, uh, leader heart. You, you sense the call of God. You sense the fact that He is the one placing you. So, willingly, eagerly, in, in some respects. But again, and not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. You know, that word dishonest gain means shamefully acquire wealth. In other words, we, we need to do it at... Actually, the idea is this. We don't do it for what we can get, for, but what we can give. I think of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, here, let me get there. Verse 15. Now, this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. And if you remember, Corinthian church actually said a lot of mean things against Paul. They were accusing him of, of sins that he was not committing. And he was deeply hurt by the Corinthian church. But this is still how he responds to a group of people that have severely hurt him. 2 Corinthians twelve fifteen, And I will gladly, very gladly, spend and be spent for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. Paul tells him, you know what? You have hurt me dearly, but I very gladly give for your souls. Boy, what a shepherd he was. What an absolute... The more abundantly I love you, the more I give, the more I give, the more I give, the less I am loved. See, when it comes to shepherding, it's not for dishonest gain. It's eagerly because our heart says this. You know what? I want to give. It's not about what I can get. It's not about getting prestige. It's not about getting wealth. It's, not, it's what I can give. Why? Because you are the flock of God. And then the final thing, not as being lords over those entrusted you, but being examples to the flock. Well, the word lord there would be domineering, oppressive, intimidating, you know, my way or the highway. No, no. What, what does he say? No, I'm going to be an example. Hopefully we are an example. What did Jesus do? Wash the disciples' feet. You know, who washed the, you know who washed feet back then? The lowest slave in the household. When someone came in and, and literally you know, took their shoes off and wanted the, the lowest slave in the household would be the one to wash the feet. Jesus in John 13 was saying, you know, I want you to be, as it were, in your mindset, the lowest. I want you to serve with everything you have, those people around you. And then he said, be, because I've given you this example. I've given you this example. Be a servant. Be a servant. Now, if you do those things, look at verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Back then, they didn't get trophies. They had a crown. Unfortunately, it was just like a leaf crown, and it would, it would, be perish, it would literally perish within a few days. But when they ran the race and then they got first place or second place, they a laurel wreath. That's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 says, you're going to receive an imperishable crown, not a perishable. Now, the reason I say this is, he says this crown of glory, and we won't get into all the... But the point is this, we do have reward. By the way, this is not just for shepherds, this is for everyone. I believe everyone is going to be receiving rewards. But the idea is this, faithful shepherding is very difficult. But again, it brings eternal rewards in the form of greater service. Now, I'm going to read a verse to you. 
The context is Matthew 25. Remember, you have the king who leaves for a long journey, and he has three servants, and he gives the first servant five talents, and the second one two talents, and the last one one. And remember what happened to the guy with the five? Invested. What did he end up with? Ten. How about the two? Four. How about the one? Fearful. He says, I'm, I was fearful. So he ended up with one. By the way, you might say, well, what is the Matthew 25... What is this passage even referring to? I mean, why is he telling us? The idea is this. Opportunity. That's the whole point of this passage. Opportunity. Unfortunately, in this passage, there was one person, the guy with the one talent, and he just buried it. Wasted opportunity. But let's see these other two. Let's just not worry about this guy. He wasted his opportunity. But let's say the five and the two. Let's just take the one because the same thing is said to the guy with the five who increased it to ten and the two who increased it to four. The same exact thing is said. So when I read this, it can be either, either guy because the same exact thing was read or said. In verse 23, it says this, His Lord, his curios, said to him, this is one of the faithful servants, he says, Well done. That means, did a great job. Well done, you good and faithful servant. What do you mean? Well, I, he took the opportunity to serve his master by increasing the talents from 5 to 10 and 2 to 4. He took the opportunity. By the way, with that opportunity came something, this is the key word, risk. See, why did this guy not do anything? Because it was risky and he just wanted to bury it. Now think about this. Is ministry risky? I'm I'm, I'm not speaking of the elders, I'm talking about you. When you get into ministry, is it risky? Oh, make the call, teach the class, show the love. All that's risky. Anytime you're serving the Lord, it's big time risk, right? Because you can have rejection. Uh, or you can fail. You know, you didn't do it exactly the way you thought. Risk. But this guy took the risk, invested, doubled. But the same thing is said because it's not about the amount. It's about what, what you have to work with and how you uh, advance the, uh, the, the Lord's agenda according to what you have personally. Because the guy that had five gets ten, two and four has the same exact thing said to him. Both of them had the same exact wording. You good and well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things, you know, the money. I... Now this is again, this is illustrative of what the Lord's going to do for us. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And I believe that idea of ruler is actually for the future. In other words, I believe there is work in heaven. You understand that there is no retirement in heaven. There isn't. Because work was a blessing before the curse and it was continue even after. And as we are faithful on this side... That opportunity that's given to us as we are faithful means that we're going to have opportunity in heaven to that degree. Or as one man said it this way, the shepherd's crown will be in proportion to his faithful service on earth. So in other words, as I'm going to be able to serve, you're going to be able to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven as it were in proportion to how faithful you were on this earth. See, sometimes I hear this idea, well, we get to heaven and the crowns are thrown at his feet, which the Bible does say, by the way. (coughs) But somehow we think, and then after that, it's all equal. That is not true. That's the whole point of reward. The idea is this, as you have been faithful on this earth, in whatever situation given, 
It's going to have a, a, a huge impact on how you're able to serve, how you're able to minister, how you're able to rule, as it were, in heaven. It's not like you throw away all your reward and just say, well, now we're all equal and we're just going to be able to sit by the pool and, and drink lemonade. Now, there's things to do and we want to be faithful here on earth, right? Now, okay, I've just kind of gone off a little, little rabbit trail, and I should say a little uh, a sheep trail. Now we've got to come back here. Number four in your outline, the responsibility of the Lord's sheep. What is your responsibility in this whole thing? Now, we're, gonna, we're kind of sw- switching gears, but I just want to, like, how can you be the best sheep around? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, maybe we should have, like, Wegmans, you know, employee of the month. We should have sheep award of the month. <laughs> now, how can you be a really good sheep? First of all is this, just two simple points. One is stay connected with your shepherd. Stay connected, and I'm going to put in quotes, your shepherd. By the way, you say, well, I don't know where my shepherd is. You know, he's just not that faithful. By the way, you know, I think one of the common things that we confess at elders' meetings is how we haven't been a good enough shepherd to our sheep. Like, I'm always hearing, like, we're sitting around all sick. Well, I haven't been able to fill out my sheet. Well, I haven't been able to get a hold of everybody, you know. Oh, I feel so guilty. I don't, you know. It's hard. Is shepherding hard? Yes, it's very, why? Because some people don't want to be called. Other people want to be called. Other people want to share everything. Some people don't want to share anything. Right? Billy, would you agree with that? Could I have a hearty amen? Come on, a little bit heartier than that. (laughs) It is very difficult. All right, now, we just went through our annual elders meeting, and sometimes we have to shuffle the deck. People, you know, people come, people go, people change. Shuffle the deck, is that not good? <laughs> At least it wasn't a poker deck. It was just a deck, a deck. Of I would say this. Okay, C's. You can think of them in three C's, but they're actually the, um, two C's apiece. The first is this, our commitment to you. By the way, you may say, well, I don't even know who my shepherd is. Okay, we're, we're starting over. Give us a little grace here. We're trying, to, we're, we're trying to make the grade. It's not always easy. But the first is this, that we're going to communicate and confirm to you that we are indeed your shepherd. That makes sense. Hey, we're here. Okay. Number two, that we're going to call and contact you about once a month about prayer requests. So if you get a call, by the way, it's not easy for us to call. But if, we get, if you get the call, understand that's what we're doing. We're trying to, we're trying to get in, in your life so we have an idea how to pray for you. I mean, if you say, well, you've been my shepherd, I haven't got the call. Well, some of you, I know what's going on, but I need to try to be more formal about that. But the, it goes for all of us. Okay, so I'm going to communicate, hey, I'm your shepherd, if I am indeed. And number two, you know, I'm going to try to call you on a monthly basis. Mike's going to call his people and, and Steve and Andy and so forth. And then finally, the number three is to connect. Some type of personal involvement. Now, again, maybe a couple times a year having over to the house. or Again, now you say, boy, I'd like to you know, get connected with you on a monthly basis. There's only so much we can do, right? We're just, we're trying to connect. And some of you say, you know what, I, I've had this happen. Nah, you don't have to call me. Well, no, I want to call you. Oh, you don't have to connect with me. I see you all the time. Okay, okay. Some of you want more connection. Do you see how we're all different? We're all individual. So the three commitments are this, that we're going to communicate and confirm who we are, you know, like, and then we're going to call and contact you on a, on a monthly basis, primarily so I can pray for you. We can pray for you. In other words, if nothing else, you will know your shepherd is praying for you. And I would hope that my sheep, you, would be praying for me, if, you know, at least 
the, one, the families that I have. And then third, to even connect and commune in community, as it were. Now, if you have that sheet, do you have that sheet, hon? Yeah, you'll see this out on the back bulletin board over there. And uh, I don't have my thing, my pointer. Where's my laser? Uh, the point is, is you're going to see this right on the board. And, and really what it does is it tells you, oh, like right here, Eric and Tina. That's A. Who's A? Oh, there's Andy Norris. Now, I see Eric periodically. We go to men's prayer together, love it and stuff like that. But as far as the shepherd, it's Andy. By the way, we also, with some of these, actually on a different list, there are some of you that are not even shepherded by the elders. The deacons help and other men help do this. So sometimes you might even see like E, Ed Phelps, helps me with, with some of the men or some of the families in this church. Why? Because we want to, should, should, should shepherdy be extended and should we be passing the baton and stuff? Yeah, so, but that's kind of how it works. When you have a primary need, I would hope that you'd go to your shepherd first and then it trickles down to myself and the elders. And, and if, if, if the elder cannot meet the need, maybe I can or maybe the group can, but the idea is that we're trying to shepherd. Remember, we're sheep. What do sheep have a tendency to do? Wander. Yeah, I don't really care to connect. I don't really care to have them understand where I'm at. Yeah, I'm a little frustrated with that guy, but I don't want to say it. I, in fact, I'm a little bitter, and I'm not going to say anything. You know what? You're disconnecting, and that's going to hurt your spiritual life. So we want to connect. So the first big thing is stay connected with your shepherd. Stay connected with your shepherd. The second is this. Stay connected with your local flock. See, your local flock is us. We. By the way, did you know that in Scripture, see, sometimes we think the holy person is the holy man or the holy uh, person, but really when it comes to Scripture, it's usually plural. In fact, one guy said this, the whole approach of sanctification, becoming more like Jesus Christ, needs to be reexamined. The bulk of the New Testament teaching on the Christian life, including the major sections on holiness, occur in the plural, in the we, in the us. And when he says you, it's usually you plural. Example, 1 Corinthians 15, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's real important that we see the us. He's saying, listen, if you want to grow in sanctification, if you really want to grow like the Lord Jesus wants us to grow, it has to be us. It's we do it together. We kind of get this individual mentality. There again, sheep do this. Hey guys, I'm going to see you, man. I'm going to go over here in this other field. Yeah, get the better grass, greener stuff. Yeah, then he gets all tangled up and, you know, he's about ready to kill himself because his horns are tangled in the trees or something. You know, who knows? No, no, we need to stay together. The whole flock mentality is that we're together. We need to help each other. I... I've got some very dear friends, one in particular I'm thinking about. I cannot even imagine where I'd be in my spiritual life if he wasn't in my life. I get together with him on a regular basis. He asks me the hard questions, and I'll tell you what, sanctification has happened in my life. I become more like Jesus Christ because of that accountability. I desperately need him, and I desperately need you. And you do too. In fact, R.C. Sproul said, and if you know R.C., he's, he's pretty direct. Tell me if you think this quote is a pretty direct quote. He said, It is both foolish 
and wicked to suppose that we will make much progress in becoming more like Jesus Christ if we isolate ourselves from the visible church. Indeed, it is commonplace to hear people declare that they don't need to unite with a church or to be a Christian. By the way, that is true. You don't need to... You don't need to unite to a church to be a Christian. To be a Christian is you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, asked him to forgive your sins based on his sacrifice on the cross. Makes you a Christian. But that doesn't mean that you're a wise Christian. It just makes you a Christian. He goes on. They claim that their devotion is personal and private, not institutional or corporate. End quote. And the last sentence. This is not the testimony of the great saints of history. It is the confession of fools. I say amen to R.C. Sproul. No, we need each other desperately. In fact, uh, I'm going to preach another message in August about small groups. We desperately need to be together, but not just corporately in a bigger group, but actually in a smaller group, like, you know, five or 15 people, so that we can actually have our lives uh, you know, sandpaper effect and uh, one anothering. And so I, I'm not asking you just to be part of this group, but even be part of a smaller group where you have accountability and encouragement and exhortation. And people can look at you right there and say, you know what, how are things going? Oh, yeah, pretty good. No, no. How are things really going? You, you know that question? How are things really going? Well, no, it's not so good. Now, we need to have that type of interaction. That's why you need small group. So, what have we been talking about? Sheep have a tendency to wander. We have a great shepherd. But when we go to the great shepherd, we need to kind of ask this. Like, what are you going to do about it? You know what he says to that? Well, I've given you a church. I've given you earthly shepherds. They're supposed to be follow me, and then you can follow them, and we can all work together. That's what you need to do. Well, but they don't ever call. Well, why don't you call them? See, it's... You know what? It's not just up to the earthly shepherd to do all the work. Get connected with your shepherd. Well, you know, get connected to your church. Oh, no. It's hard. It's not easy. Why? Why is it not easy? Because you know what? We will let you down at times. And it's at that very moment that you, that is the decision right there. When a person, a Christian, lets you down, then the question is, is my, are my eyes on Jesus or is it on people? And is he the sufficient one, or am I expecting that guy, that physical man, to be the sufficient one? You've got to make that decision, because we'll let you down, Christ won't. Now, in this series, I want to end with this final illustration, and it's about Peter. You remember in, with Peter in John 21? If you want to turn there, we're going to end here. John 21, remember Peter, and he, you know, the Lord says, you're going to deny me three times, and Peter says, not me, not me. And you know what happened. Every time you have pride, it's you. And he falls. He denies him three times. Well, by the way, Peter immediately repented. I know this because in, verse, uh, in Luke it says this, so Peter went out and wept bitterly. That's repentance right there. I mean, it just struck him to the heart. He did exactly the opposite of what he said to his Lord that he would do. I mean, don't, don't we do that sometimes? Lord, you can count on me. Lord, I'm going to witness for you. Lord, I'm going to stand strong for you. And then, you know, we do the opposite. Well, Peter struck to the heart. That's repentance. The other thing that happens before this passage right here is he meets with Jesus Christ personally. See, by the time we get to this passage, he's already met with Christ for restoration of fellowship. 
because we find in Luke 24, 34, it says, the Lord is risen indeed, and the women are speaking, and has appeared to Simon. Right? This is why it's important. He fails miserably. He immediately repents, wept bitterly. It says in other passages, including 1 Corinthians 15, that the Lord appeared to him. See, the Lord appeared to Peter personally because he wanted to restore fellowship with him. Sin had happened, repentance, the restoration of fellowship. But what has not yet happened up to John 21 is the restoration of service. I'm sure in Peter's mind, this is the, the burning question. Can the Lord ever use me again? Can you imagine denying the Lord? You'd walk away saying, can the Lord ever use me again? The Lord comes in the front of all the others to make sure he knows, Peter, and the others, you're still on the table. You're still going to be used by me. I'm, I'm giving you this final illustration because sometimes we wonder, can the Lord ever use me again? And so the Lord asked him those three burning questions. Verse 15, Jesus said, Simon Peter, by the way, uses Simon, son of Jonah. By the way, Simon meant pebble, unstable one. He was, re, he was trying to get Peter to remember, you know what, I called you Peter because you're like a rock, but right now I'm going to call you Simon because you're just, that's what it meant, just a, a shifting, unstable pebble. Sometimes, Simon, you're going to be like a pebble. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? The word is agape. Do you supremely love me only? Do you love me more than these? By the way, the more than these is probably not the boat or the fish. He's probably referring to the disciples because G, or Peter was the one that said, listen, they will deny you, I won't. So he's, he's, just, he's going back and he's, he's making a cut in his heart, as it were, making it painful for Peter to admit, you know what, I was trying to stand on my own strength and I failed. You love me more than these disciples because just a few days ago you were telling me that you loved me more and you were going to stand with me no matter what they did, and you failed. You love me more than these? And he said, Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he uses a different word. Jesus said, agape, the highest of loves. And Peter says, You know what? I, I phileo you. I, I have a friendship with you. I like you. I like you. I like you a lot. But note, this is why I'm bringing you to this passage. Notice what Jesus says. He said to him, All right, if you love me, even a little, okay, Feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. If you really love the Lord Jesus Christ, take care of my lambs. Take care of my flock. Take care of those people I died for. And he, he plays off of different words. The, the first and the third word for feed is different than the middle one, which is the word we get pastor from. I, I don't have time for all that. I just want you to think about that one thing. He is saying, listen, if you love me, you take care of my people. Second time he said to him again, verse 16, Simon, there again, pebble, <laughs> unstable one, son of Jonah, do you love me? Do you love me supremely? Agape, do you really love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. You know I have a strong affection. Peter, that's not what I asked. Do you see what the tension is? I'm, I'm calling you a pebble. I'm asking you if you have a supreme love for me and you keep coming back and saying, you know what, I like you a lot. You're not answering the question, Peter. But you know what you find with Peter? He's honest. You know what you have to be if you really want to serve the Lord? And again, this is not just for shepherds. This is for all of us. We have to be humbled and we have to admit our need. And that's exactly what Peter's doing. He's humbled and he's, admit his, he's admitting his need. And so what does he say? 
What does the Lord Jesus say in the second part of verse 16? He said to him, tend my sheep. There again, that lamb sheep thing. This is my flock. If Peter, if you love me, shepherd the church of God, which I purchased with my own blood. You love me? Shepherd my people. And then number three. This time Jesus changes his, his word. He says, and he said to him the third time, Simon Pebble. <laughs> Isn't that great? The good, the good shepherd says, listen, and this is how he look at me, Pebble. You know, John, you fail. You've got sins in your own life. Andy, you're not perfect. You need my help, right? That's, he's calling all of us Simon in that sense. We need him desperately. Simon, son of Jonah, do you phileo me? Now Jesus comes down and says, you know what, I've been using the word love for the first two. Now I'm just going to ask you, do you really have a strong friendship with me? Do you have a strong affection for me? Now this, he says, he says Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you phileo? I mean, oh my... I'm sure Peter's thinking this. Now he's coming down to my level because he knows there's no way I can go up to his. And so it grieved him. And he said to him, Lord, verse 17, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. (laughs) Then Jesus said a third time, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. The point is this. If you love me, John Prince, if you love me, Andy Norris, if you love me, Steve Reck, Mike, Lee, Bill, no, no, let's go beyond that, Sola, and uh, Brooke, and uh, Tina, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not just for the elders, then love his sheep, take care of his sheep, serve his sheep with your spiritual gift, because that's, that's the heart of the Lord Jesus. He's a shepherd at heart, and he wants us to have a, a, a shepherd's heart. What are some of the final applications? To love the Lord means we will obediently care for his sheep. That's the bottom line. Peter, you're not perfect. You have many, and you're, you're like a stone, a pebble, but I can use you. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what your sins are. But if you're willing to repent like Peter and walk with him, he can use you. Number two, Peter was right when he had needed to be, he was right where he needed to be when he lost confidence in his own strength. Actually, Peter was in the perfect spot because he had lost confidence in himself, which tells me this, God uses ordinary and imperfect people. As long as our eyes are set on him and in my heart has a love for you. As long as you have your heart set on him and love for his people, he can use you. But we have to step out and say, you know what? It's not about me. It's not about now. It's about the flock of God. Love the flock of God. I trust that you love the flock of God because he purchased us, what? With his own blood. So I encourage you, get connected with your shepherd, us, and get connected with this flock. Let's stand as we worship him. I would encourage you to come to the, uh, the church picnic. We do have extra chicken uh, going to have a great time. We'll, only, we'll be there for three, four hours. Got a pool. Again, you can stop by. If you don't have utensils because you didn't know about this, we have uh, plates and, and cups and utensils for you. We'd much rather have you come than stay away just because you say, oh, I don't have the utensils. Um, and I guess that would be it. Actually, this is a perfect way to end this whole series because the reality is when it comes to sheep, you've got to be flexible, right? you got to be flexible. we got to be flexible with one another. So let's bow in prayer. Father, again, we thank you 
through your eternal plan of redemption that you sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our redemption. Father, we thank you that you've sent the Holy Spirit into our lives, that though we are imperfect and ordinary people, that through the power of your Spirit, we can minister and serve and use our spiritual gifts for one another. Father, I pray for our church. I pray for protection from those that would come from without and from within to destroy. I pray for our leadership right now, the elders who are seeking to guide and direct through the the wisdom and, and the direction of your Spirit, that we might have your wisdom, We might have your power to do this. I pray for the deacons also for protection on their lives as they seek to serve. Father, we want to do it right because we know we'll stand before you someday. So I pray that we be interconnected. We would be radically committed to community at Alfred Allman and that through that we would grow like you would want us to grow because we know we cannot grow just with the word of God and just by prayer. You have given us one another, and that's an absolute essential uh, component. I pray that we, we would take advantage of community. Guide us now and help us to have an enjoyable time, time of fellowship at the picnic, honoring you, honoring the Lord, honoring the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen.